What's up, Edgy Gamers? Today is actually our first video cast episode. So if you're listening to this on your regular podcasting platform, join us on YouTube. I mean, technically, you don't really have to. You can definitely listen to the show here on your normal podcasting platform. But we also have it up on YouTube. It's a more visual medium for the show as well. We're also releasing videos beyond our normal video cast that comes out on Mondays. We're doing some shorts and some other cool stuff like our weekly live streams every Wednesday night at 5.30 Pacific Standard Time. So join us for those as an audience. You can engage in some of the games we play or if you're interested in being a guest, you can join us on our show as well. All right. And for today's episode, we're joined by Danielle Dabbs and she's going to talk to us about hybrid learning and at-home learning, and some of the board games she used to supplement her children's learning at home. So really excited to dive into this topic with her and learn a bit from her. And as always, if you have any feedback, suggestions, comments, or anything about this episode, you can always reach out to us, podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. All right, let's get into the topic. Board Gaming with Education, a podcast for anyone curious about how games and education mix. We explore various topics like game-based learning, gamification, and board games, and the impacts they have on learning. Here's your host, Dustin Stats. BoardGameWithEducation.com is a community and online store focused on leveraging board games for learning. So check out our selection of curated board games for learning we have games like the one behind me, Wingspan, another one called Design Eye, which teaches you elements of graphic design. We have also our board game design kits, Unforgiven, a game about the Lincoln assassination trial. A lot of great games. Check it out. We also develop resources for some of these games, too. These are additional resources that you can use to pull learning objectives from these games to use in your classrooms or at home. Again, BoardGameWithEducation.com. Now let's get into that chat with Danielle. All right, so today I'm joined by Danielle Dabs. I'm super excited to have you here. Um, I was just telling her, I don't have kids, so I know a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in our community do have kids, and we always chat about like games and board gaming, but it's always good to have someone on that's a parent using games at home with their kids. Um, so Danielle has an Instagram account, and that's kind of how we connected. I saw her post. Um, she was on another podcast, uh, Homeschool Together, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I would suggest checking out that episode, especially if you are going to dive into games for at-home learning. Um, there's a lot of awesome stuff there, but I'm excited to chat with you. Danielle, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit? Sure. Um, first of all, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to do this. and. Um, so my husband and I have been playing modern board games for probably about two decades. Um, they've always been really important to us and to our relationship, our social life, and then now how we interact and teach our kids. Um, so I'm a mother of four kids. So I, you have none. I have a lot. If you want to borrow someone, you're welcome to a few anytime you want. <laughs> um, so age, their age is 18 months to eight years old. So that's, a full-time plus job, but um, I also have a master's in social work and it's been almost 50, 15 years, not 50, I'm not that old, um, working in low-income schools, um, both running after-school programs, and then now I actually grant right for school supplies for kids in those awesome. schools. Um, 
But because of my background, education to me has always been kind of about finding those interesting and unique ways to teach kids. So the teachers were, you know, doing their thing during the day, but um, for some kids, they didn't connect with that. So we would use like drumline or theater or stepping to engage them in education in a different way. Um, so when it came to my own, own kids, I was always trying to teach them like through more experiences and hands-on learning. And that has included a lot of games. Um, and even though my husband and I were really involved in hobby board gaming for a while, we were struggling to find games that we enjoyed playing with our kids. So we had those terrible traditional games like Candyland and Shoes and Ladders, which everyone's familiar with, or we were trying to force them into like entry-level hobby games. We're like, oh, these are easy. They can play those, but they're just either too long or too complicated. Um, so we did a lot of research and found there was like an entire world of fun family games and um, games for kids. So we started our Instagram account for that just to kind of share what we've learned with others. And it's been really fun to connect with other people who are using games to learn and for this crazy season too, where so many people are at home a lot more than they used to be. Right. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And I have a, I have a question I'm going to throw at you. I didn't prepare you for this. So <laughs> um, okay. you mentioned Candyland and, um, Oh man, like shoots and ladders. Do you have like one game you would say, hey, before we get into like actually chatting about why games are important, but what would be one game that you would recommend to someone to check out if they only know those two games? So I would say like a substitute for Candyland is Hoot Owl Hoot, which is the the exact like same mechanics of like drawing a color card and moving it forward to the next color, but it's cooperative and it has an end in sight. Like Candyland, I'm either stacking the deck or hiding cards so that I don't end up going back to like the cupcake or something. Um, so I think that's like a great substitute. If you're like, oh, but I really want to play like a Candyland type game with my kid, I would choose Hoot Al Hoot by Peaceable Kingdom instead because it is the same educational components but way more fun <laughs> and way yeah. faster. Awesome. I haven't played that one. I don't. I don't know if I've heard of it either. It's Hoot Owl Hoot, like Hoot the, owl the bird. Hoot. Yeah, or the, it sounds like a very personal game. <laughs> okay, cool. But it actually like does kind of tailor up too, because you can help kids like choose, you know, which color they want to pick to move based on which one's further. So there is like some number mm. comparisons. So even though it's like really really basic for my child who knows her colors, I've moved her up to doing that kind of interaction with it, which helps them grow with it. Right, right. And that corporation aspect is kind of just, there's those skills of communicating just at a really basic level, um, even in a game like that for younger kids. Yeah. Awesome. So you mentioned you were in the board game hobby. Um, how did you, because eventually I think we will have kids and we are huge into the board game hobby. How did you kind of integrate teaching and learning with the board game hobby with your kids? So um, we had initially kind of started out choosing, um, like playing games with our kids more to just teach them those basic skills like cooperation and working together. Um, but we've realized that there's so much they can learn through games that is more educational. So we, um, like when the pandemic happened, we're, we're in like a totally different situation than we were a year ago. Too. Right. So we now have kids who are learning at home for a significant chunk of their time. And I can kind of talk about um, what our situation looks like. But we have a 
child who's in second grade who is um, doing hybrid schooling. And so that means she goes to school two to three days a week. And then the other day, she doesn't even get online with a teacher. She's just doing like two hours of homework. Okay. So when she started doing that in spring, we realized that um, some of the stuff she was doing with school was just very frustrating for her. The computer program was like really difficult as a first grader to figure out how to work click through. Mm. And um, worksheets are super boring for her. So one of the things we started um, playing constantly was Sleeping Queens. Are you familiar with that game? Yeah, um, yeah. Would you mind so just, that was, just quickly sharing an overview? Yes, and I have it right. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, right this is like one of my one of my favorite because um, it's like one of the ones that really got us into thinking differently about using games with our kids and not just like to teach them taking turns and winning or losing um but you you're you have queens in the center and you're trying to wake the queens up using um kings to wake wake the queens up and there's like power cards that let you put the queens back to sleep or steal a queen or something like that but one of the ways you can change in your cards is by making addition equations Mm -hmm. and so you have number cards um i think three through no one through nine one through or one through ten um and So you can change in as many numbers as you can add to make an equation to total one of your other cards. So if you like have a one and a nine, you can turn in those with your 10 card and get three new cards in the deck trying to pick up power cards to make up your queens. Um, So we started doing that instead of her online math Mm -hmm. program that she had to do because she was just tortured by that. Like it was like you had to click it as fast as you could and she was panicking about it. So she ended up just doing a lot more math. We played round after round after round of sleeping queens and so from that it was just like a light bulb going off like why are we not finding games that include like so many games especially addition like you can't you know throw a rock without hitting a game that uses addition like even the mm. games that has not player we're doing all the addition at the end for our scoring so unless you're cheating and using an app but <laughs> we don't let the kids do that <laughs> so, <laughs> so we know we knew that like lots of games had some of those components and then we started like trying to find more games that were more educational um but still fun and trying to like balance that out for them so now it's just like such a part of our family culture like the kids just constantly pick games off the shelf um i use it to teach my other child preschool um and that's kind of how we transitioned into like we're not you know, we're playing games constantly <laughs> for different so, reasons. Um, I guess, so you have, a, uh, I guess, son, daughter in preschool, um, and then you have older kids. And so I'm assuming you're using different games with those kids, but then maybe sometimes you're playing games together. How do yeah. you kind of, how do you manage that? So um, when my Older two are, so, okay, so we have a second grader who's in hybrid school, and then our kindergartner is in part-time kindergarten, which looks exactly like hybrid school. It's the same. He goes two two full days a week, and that would be his normal schedule, like, without the pandemic. But on the days he's home, he has no assigned work. So he is just free as bird, can do whatever he wants. But to me, I'm going to keep them busy, and I'm always about, like, we're going to learn. I mean, like, 
I don't want to hit them over the head. Like I do not pull worksheets out for my kids ever, but I'm always trying to teach them like with baking or, you know, go, when we used to go out, we'd go to the zoo and go to the science center and things like that. We just can't do that anymore. So, mm. um, so he, I use beans a lot for him for that. And then um, my preschooler, we really try to play like preschool games on the days when they're at school. And then I have an 18 month old who I'm basically just like, please don't die. Like just, keep yourself occupied <laughs> like right. dumping out marker bins and stuff like <laughs> while we play or I put him down for nap and then we'll play. Um, so I, so in sometimes I'm just like picking a kid who's specifically playing for a specific reason, like particularly with my preschooler and pulling, I have like three or four shelves of games that are just her like preschool schoolwork games. Okay. Um, and so I don't use a curriculum for her. I just use books and games pretty much. Um, and so she and I will just play a lot of those like games that are kind of like a little too young for my older kids now. Like they'll play and sit like sit and play like an easier peaceful kingdom game, but they're not excited about it. They'll just do it like if they're bored. Mm. So she gets kind of those games more when it's her preschool time. And that's usually when the older kids are gone. Okay. Um, the older kids, we play a lot like when the other two are at nap or quiet time. Um, so they have like a specific set of games that are too old for my four-year-old. So I have a eight-year-old, six-year-old, four-year-old, and 18-month-old. And my six-year-old and eight-year-old are pretty much at the same level. Like our six-year-old, I don't know if he has always been this way or just because of games, he's caught up. Like he, okay. yeah, we had no idea what he was capable of. And when we started playing Sleeping Queens, he picked it up instantly. Like I would have never thought in preschool he was going to do addition equations, but because he was exposed to it with the game and wanted to play so hard, he played or played so much. He would have, you know, play open hand and we'd help him. But within a couple rounds, he was picking it up because he just wanted to keep up with her. So awesome. he's been like excelling. Like he's at least a great level ahead on everything now because of playing with her and playing games that are more tailored to her. So, and then one of my goals this year has kind of been like to find games that they all can play together because that is like the sweet spot. And sometimes right. that's our four-year-old being the helper. Like we played Dream Home the other night and she was the one who like picked up a card and put it in my house. So she wasn't playing on her own, but she was playing on my team. Mm. Um, and then sometimes she's the dice roller. <laughs> and then sometimes she legitimately can't play. Like she also is like, pushing herself to do things yeah. that are older than her like normal capabilities I think because she wants to keep up and be doing what they're doing right right and uh, I'm trying to think of some games that are I mean maybe maybe like a year or two down the road where you have the oldest being the one that's kind of uh I'm thinking of like Mysterium if you've played that or we just um, got that from the library <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So like, where there's like the one person that's kind of the quote unquote game master, but I mean the other players Mm -hmm. have a lot of unique choices. But I'm trying to think of if there's any game. Can't think of one off the top of my head. But there's that one player that's kind of the one that's the captain of the board game, I suppose, where Mm -hmm. everyone else has smaller kind of roles and they're working together. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So 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 I think our older kid, our our eight year old though, I think she's going to be playing like a lot of more of these modern board games that we play sooner because a lot of the games that we play with her also are teaching them mechanics. So like, we're mm. also like looking at like, okay, this is like a family strategy game, but this teaches you all the mechanics. Like when you're playing Forbidden Island, 
you're learning all the mechanics for pandemic. Right. So like right. they're familiar with, you know, a tile laying, like a polyamino laying in Haba's tiny park, and then they can play Baron Park from that. Mm. So like I think that the jump to some of those like older games and even some they're playing some that I thought were gonna be just for my husband and I and now they <laughs> play them. <laughs> because right. they see us playing, we're like, okay, give it a try. Um but yeah, one of the games I was gonna share actually you play Quack, so is it Quedlinburg? I don't know how you oh, yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I really like that we, game. Yeah, we bought that for us. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, we bought that for us to play, and they saw it and thought it was a Harry Potter game and wanted to play. <laughs> and so they've been like amazed. Like they're actually better at it than I am because they're like more. They're less afraid to push their luck. Mm, yeah. Or right. I'm like always like really I'm Maybe. really like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go I'm gonna hold and they're like oh let's <laughs> give it a try so they end up doing better but that one has like amazing amounts of addition and subtraction because they're mm. constantly adding their cherry bombs to see if they're gonna you know bust their pot um, explode their potion and then yeah. um, when they have to buy ingredients they have to like figure out how much how many points they have and how much they spent and how much they have left so like. They're playing games that I didn't, games that we like wouldn't think they would be playing right now. They're starting to play those because of like starting them at the family game level, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's another, uh, topic too is like game mechanics or type of like, uh, I guess Lexus. You have to learn some of those game mechanics before you can move on to new ones because Quacks of Quinlanburg is pretty. I would say it's like a medium weight game. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would introduce that to a friend of mine that's never played <laughs> some modern board games. So that's awesome. I think, I think if we had tried to like play this with my six year old when he hadn't played any games, he wouldn't be able to play it. But because mm. we've like scaled him up through a lot of right. different, and we like have to help him with the math. So like he can't do the subtraction, you know, 24 minus like 12 or something. He yeah. doesn't. That, but it's great for my second grader. I'm like, this is like the best map you've been doing like today. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, are there any games that you use that you look at content specifically, and whether it's tying it into things they're doing in school or just something that you kind of decide to do on your own and kind of teach content through? So, I actually have like we have our Instagram, but then I did like start a blog website just to like keep track of it for people who weren't on Instagram. And so I do like try to group our games on there by content. So like when you go to look at K through third grade, it should have like all the math games together and then all the reading games and um, geography. And we're not very good at having science. We need to get more science games. I know you have a lot of science games. I need to do more of that. But um, so for math, um, obviously like, that's a huge area of like that there's so many games, like almost every game is easy to incorporate math in it, but mm-hmm. we have a lot of games that I use like for specific mapping. So a couple of them, I, I do have like a stack of games around me if you want to see all my games for ideas yeah, yeah. for things. But um, So for preschool, I picked two games um, that are kind of like more basic about, teaching just number, rec- rolling the die, number recognition, um, counting, so one-to-one correspondence, like being able to count the number of spaces that you're moving. Um, so one that we do with my preschoolers, like uniform, 
Glitter Lock by Haba. Um, and this one's really just like one to three, like counting up to three. So it's a really basic one to start with. Um, and then there's Counter Chickens, which is the same type. It's a spinner, but um, you're also just doing one-on-one -on -one correspondence. But this one can go up to like 10 or so. So those are two okay. like preschool maskings that I use a lot um, to connect. Like I want her to not just identify numbers, but be able to do that one-to-one -one course where she's counting the spaces that she's doing, which is what mm -hmm. a lot of like younger kid board games are doing, but these are just a little more interactive and a little more, a little more fun. Like they're not super fun, but they're a little more fun. Yeah. Um, and then for the older kids, Sleeping Queens I already talked about, which I just love that one. Um, we do some game donations and that's one I like give to schools and everyone because I just think it's super easy to learn and fun to play and, and, it has the addition component, but then we've been turning it into subtraction lately too. So we'll just say, mm. say the subtraction equation when you do it instead of addition. Um, another like content game for math that I use a lot is Clumsy Thief in the Candy Shop. And this one is adding some up to 20. So you're making like piles of, of uh, candy that add up to 20. And then you're stealing piles with your card. So like if somebody has a card, a pile that has 15 on top and you have a five card, you can steal their pile with your five cards. So our oh, kids okay. love this game. Like it is so clearly educational. Like it's not even hiding it at all because <laughs> it's sums of 20, but it's so interactive and they like have so much yeah. fun stealing and then like putting the robber on it and locking the things. So um, locking the stack. So we play that one quite a bit um, for math but they don't think it's math like they just think mm. it's super fun um have you played clicks yeah yeah okay. yeah that's a good one yeah so this one too i'm like it's a super you know great game for adults and kids but um this one was, has been great for doing the two number die adding and then this one we actually played virtually with grandparents too so like this okay. is one that they, we gave them a set and we have a set and they can roll the dice and tell us what they have and so that's been good because awesome. they don't always want to play with me either. Like sometimes it's nice to break it up and have someone more fun to play with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and those are those um, are good games for for like virtual roll and writes or flip and yeah. writes for yeah. virtual experiences. And then yeah. I think the game that's been like our math MVP is um, a game called Money Bags. <laughs> this is like as content based as it gets. It's teaching coin name, um, <laughs> coin value, and then adding coin. So mm. um, I don't know what it is because, again, it's like one of those ones where you're spinning and moving, and then you're adding up. You're just it tells you like how much money you're supposed to make with the coins, and then you spin a center to see like if you can't use dimes, you can't use nickels, and you have to make that amount of money out of the coins. Um, our kids think it's like the most fun game. Like they think they don't think of it as an educational game. They think it's so fun. And I'm like, I don't know if it's because they like all the fake money, if they feel like they really yeah, are getting really. money. Um, but they want to play it all the time. And it is single-handedly responsible for teaching them coins and how to add them. Like again, my kindergartner now knows all of his coin names, all of their values, and can oh, wow. easily add money. And my second grader is just being introduced to that in school. Okay. So like this game is like my MVP of like <laughs> yeah, specific awesome. content teaching. Um, so those are the math ones. And I talked about uh, cracks a little bit, which I really like for that right now. Yeah. Um, for reading, I mostly use 
a lot of reading stuff. It's, it's easy to find games for preschoolers for reading. Um, and it's more like learning to read, like learning letter names and letter sounds. So right. you just use like a basic like ABC bingo okay. for that. And this is a Peaceable Kingdom game too, which like it's just, there's just such like high quality that I like having those. Cause I know like too, if I lose a piece, they'll send me pieces for mm. free. And they do that with all their games, which is perfect when you have preschoolers who are. Yeah. Um, pieces pieces, yeah. <laughs> um, and then like, this is a classic, but sequence mm. letters, like everybody. So we use that one for learning letters and letter sounds. Um, and then another, again, these are probably in my like, I don't know if these are my most fun games that we have. They're definitely more like educational content based, but because I'm teaching her preschool, I kind of have to do that too. And right, um, right. Yeah. then there's like, this is based on the show, the ABC Super Y, the okay. CBS show. Um, so that one's are like preschool letter games um, or reading games. But then I think like once kids are older, we have not found a, a, a good amount of like helping struggling. Re- you know, a lot of people ask me like, well, what do you mm. use when yeah. they're past that? They know their letter names, they know their letter sounds, but they can't quite, they're still not reading or they're like a reluctant reader. Like they just refuse mm. to read. Right. Um, and for those, I think, the one game I recommend usually is um, a game called Kids Create Absurdity. And this is like a, it's a, it's a small business. So they're like a family company, but they are similar to like a card. It plays similar to Cards Against Humanity, but it's very, very clean. Like I took out like maybe two cards from the whole thing. And I've read a lot about the different versions of the game and I don't Mm. think they're all (laughs) quite that clean, but um, my kids practice reading those because they have to read the cards to pick what they want. So they're reading like silly string mm. or like ice and Sundays or coloring on the wall. So like they have to read the card to play. And I think that's something that like people don't necessarily necessarily always think about. Like mm-hmm. pick, a, pick a game that has like cards with a little bit of reading on it. Like we just got King of Tokyo and those cards have like, you know, just a little bit of text about like what the power you're purchasing on them is. Yeah, and that's, right, what, right. that's what our new reader is working on reading though. So he's like reading the game because he wants to know what it can do. So we kind of just, instead of just reading it for him, we push him to be like, well, can you figure out what it says? And I think that's an area like that people, you know, want a reading game in particular, but when you get past learning to read, there's not as much for like practicing reading. Um, but if you, take those card games where there's, you know, deck builders or things where you're having to read stuff on the cards, it helps them just reinforce that. And they don't like a lot of reluctant readers won't push back on it because right. it's something they want to do. And it's fun. It's not yeah. like you're you sit here and read a book and fill out a worksheet or something. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's those, those fantasy worlds are very, you know, engaging. And I mentioned before we started talking is I have a, student that I tutor in Taiwan and before I left Taiwan to come back to LA I bought him some like gifts and I got him he loves Pokemon so I got him Pokemon yeah. you know Pokemon like a the encyclopedia book so of oh, course yeah, he, yeah. he'll read that in English because it's yeah it's Pokemon, it's Pokemon. <laughs> yeah so there's tons of like games that have stuff like that that you just find mm. what your kids interested in and right they'll, they'll read that stuff because they want to know what it says <laughs> right 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 but, I think sometimes like kids are very intimidated by books too. Mm. And like just a large amount of content, a large amount of 
text that's on a page where if you're handing them a card with just like a sentence or two, it's, a, it's less intimidating to, and, and a lot of them have like repetitive words on them because different cards will do similar things. So I think that that's just a way we've started to like incorporate practicing reading with games. Right, right. Um, and then I have a couple geography games too, if you want to hear all these games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a bunch behind me, but um, <laughs> I didn't even pull half of them off. But, um, so this one I use for like younger kids, uh, Scrabble Up States. So it's based on a book which they know and they read in elementary school, which is nice. Mm. Um, and the, the reason I like this is because it does, it's not like an entire map. It comes with a map of the U.S., but your map, your you're not playing on a map board, which is kind of different, but you're looking at the states on cards. So you're actually looking at each state's individual shape, which I think is just helpful mm, to kind of okay. be able to recognize um, the state by shape. And then a lot of times they're looking to see on their map, like comparing like, okay, well, where is this on the map? Because does it touch a river or does it like, because you have to match it to the right, um, like clue card or whatever mm. it is. And then even my young, like that's a game that I can have our eight-year-old, six-year-old, and four-year-old play because my four-year-old can do the cards where it's like, which state matches a color? And we just don't race in this one. Like it's, it's mm. supposed to be a racing game, but we oh, okay. modify it to not be racing. Um, so she can like find one that starts with a certain letter because she's doing letter identification. And then the other one I like for older kids this one, I like our second grader can play this, but I do think part of that is because she's like played Ticket to Ride and played trekking um, the national parks, but we just got trekking the world this year. And that this one has been really great for geography because it's one of our only ones that has a uh, world map. Like almost mm. every single geography game that we play is based on a specific concept, like any yeah. Ticket to Ride, one except for, I guess, Rails and Sails, which I've never played, so I can't. Say. Yeah. That yeah, one, but, that's true. Most most map games are based on like a region, right? It's mm-hmm. not really world based. So I like that one because like they can see the whole world, and then they're like picking where they want to go. And we don't have a ton of science games, so I'll have to leave that to somebody else. But we do have. We've been playing this one a lot lately, which is an all four kids, all three kids, my eighteen and four can play. Um, okay. And so yeah. that one we just introduce like habitats, and then. Mm. Um, the animals in them but the cool thing about that one is it's got like the three-dimensional uh planets and you have to put the tiles on them and then you're reading your habitats like around the edge like you have to count up your habitat squares and you have to rotate it and it, so it's, it's just like a completely different way of thinking when they have to count their habitats because they're counting them in 3d and they're rotating yeah. their yeah. things to do that so those are all my like I think that was a lot. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. Those are, <laughs> Those good, are all games that I use, like for specific, like content connections. Yeah, stuff. that's awesome. I would say one science one maybe that is definitely for your six or eight year old and four year old might need some help um, is ecosystem. Uh, okay. Essentially, it's like a king domino where you're oh, okay. putting things in a grid, but then you're trying to place different animals next to each other based on how they interact within an ecosystem in the real world. It's not like super tied into like real life ecosystems, but it's like if you put a bear next to a fish, you get points. If you put, Oh uh, yeah. 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 Like a fox away from the wolves. I think you get points. I don't know the exact, exact uh, animals and stuff, but 
Yeah, I've seen that one, but I haven't played. We just tried Evolution Beginnings, which is like mm. um, kind of predator-prey interactions. Yeah. That one did not work super well for us just because you have to eat other people's animals and like destroy all their stuff. And they were not super excited about like someone killing their animals every single time. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to hold off on this one. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. you have to like know your kids too and know what works for them. Like mm-hmm. some kids can yeah. only play cooperative games because they can't stand to <laughs> like, right. they, you know, you got to scale them up to what they're able to do and are interested in doing. Right. Cool. Um, so do you have anything else to share maybe before we head into our game? Um, there are two. I, um, one of the things I just wanted to talk about that wasn't content-based, like kind of that other learning that you learn from games. Um, yeah. Were a couple of games. I think, I think everybody knows, like, you know, cooperative games help you work, learn cooperation, working as a team, problem solving and stuff. Mm. But um, I, I think those are great. But um, one I wanted to mention, two I wanted to mention, two are um, Dinosaur Tea Party. Have you heard oh. of this game? No, so it's basically, cool. it's Guess Who with cards. Um, and so you're, it's a social, it's a deduction game, or like, you're, not a social deduction game, it's just a deduction game where you're trying mm. to figure out like who is, um, who each person is. But the thing I love about this game, which I don't think people think about in board games a lot, is like, because it's this tea party, you play with silly accents. And oh, so okay. our kids are like acting in it, which like, again, not something you connect to board games, but mm. I think there's lots of games out there that can do more than you think they can do if you interact with them in the right way. Like any game that you play can be educational or, you know, can, the kids can learn from if right. based on like the way you um, talk about it or the way the questions you ask when you're playing. So I don't know yeah. if there's anything else. There. So you had one one more or just just the dinosaur oh. tea party? Uh, oh, okay, yeah. I'm sure you played a version of Codename. Um, yeah, but I, I want to share maybe for some. I cannot play real Codenames. I do not like just the letters, but um, this one is pictures, so it's basically like Codename pictures, but with Disney mm-hmm. movies. And this was another one that I like picked up, and I was like, "There's no way." I mean, I know it's Disney, but I just didn't think our kids could really play it. Um, mm-hmm just because it was maybe too abstract for them to figure out like our clues and stuff, but they have been amazing at it. And the thing that surprised me about this game is the connections that they can make. And my eight year old is can now like be the caller. Like she can sit there and look at the cards and come up with the the connections even, even better than I can. So I just think it's um, cool when there's games that you're like, I don't know if they'll be able to do this or they'll be able to think in this way when they're that right. young. Um, and I think that's a really fun one to, them think differently than just like um you know linearly linearly <laughs> right right yeah it's i don't know i love code names and i like to try to get as many like i, I like to be the caller and like to give like crazy like five and try to get <laughs> yeah, them all I, connected. <laughs> I mean I, i'm not very good at it but i just enjoy seeing well, I mean, pull it off. that's why i need the pictures because i'm like Clearly, my daughter is significantly more creative than I am. Awesome. Cool. All right. Well, we're going to move into our game. I mentioned we're going to play Five Second Rule. Um, This is the first time 
doing it was uh usually I've done it on the podcast and we've done audio so I can like really okay. edit things and kind of figure it out but we're gonna try to do it on the fly video here okay. I'm gonna share my screen so you, you can may have to cut this part. <laughs> If you're not familiar with this or if anyone's watching, essentially I'm going to give you a category and you have to name three things in that category within five seconds. Um, I think I have four categories or five categories, so we can see how many you can get out of four or five. Um, the first one's very easy, but I don't, I don't know if I should say that because if you don't get it, then you might think the other ones. You shouldn't say that I'm not very good at, I'm under pressure these things now. I'll be okay. I should get my eight-year-old. She'll be better at that. Maybe animals. Okay, giraffe, zebra, elephant. Awesome, one point. Famous singers. Um, Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, Britney Spears. Two points. Things on you put uh, on pizza. Sausage, uh, pepperoni, uh, cheese. <laughs> I think maybe I'll give you that one because I, I kind of screwed <laughs> up in the hesitation. <laughs> so three points and then we'll go on the... Who do you eat at a barbecue? Hot dog, hamburger, chips. Ooh, four points. Last one, board games. Um, so the Catan, Ticket to Ride, and uh, <laughs> oh, Good Thank you. I think you missed the most important one. <laughs> it was it took too long to say. Yeah, you, t- you chose some chose some long board game titles. <laughs> That's funny. Hey, no one listened to me. Don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, anyone watching maybe hopefully could have pulled some off, but awesome, Daniel. Like yeah, you took like the board games with the longest, most syllables, I think. <laughs> awesome. So, Daniel, thank you again for coming on and chatting. I, I'll put your Instagram up here again, but if you want to share anything that you're working on, I know you have like a donation program too, um, and then your Instagram or wherever you want people to connect with you. Yeah, we just um, really want to encourage people to give games to kids who might not have exposure to games like this. So if you find a game that you like playing, we just want people to donate that to like a local school or local, you know, um, foster families or things like that. So we do have on our Instagram and like my bio and the links um, to nonprofits that we partner with that have like a game wish list, um, one for teachers and low-income schools, and then one for foster families, and then like group homes, so kids who can't be in a foster family for a variety of reasons, but are in the foster care system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then any money that like we get through any affiliate clicks, we use to buy board games, because we just think these are such amazing teaching tools that are being underutilized, and they would really help some kids connect to some of this educational content in a way that maybe they can't in traditional academics or, you know, especially to foster families, being able to connect as a family and play games, but still learn in there too, we think is important. So that's what we just try to do with our account. Awesome. Really cool. And then your Instagram, just board game babies. You can reach out to Danielle there. Um, she posts some awesome reviews and that's how I, how I found her was through Instagram. So thank you again for coming on and thank you for being our first, uh, I don't know if we'll be the first video cast episode that comes out, but being the first one that recorded. Super excited for that. So thank you. <laughs> Thanks for testing with me. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 
you for listening in this week. If you like what you heard, be sure to let us know. You can find us on social media as Board Gaming with Education or BGE Games. Or email us at podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com. If you want to support our podcast, be sure to check out our support page on our website. As always, teach better, learn more, and most importantly, play more. Thank you for listening, and until next time.